Welcome to the Millwall Football Fancast. Coming up, we've got David Yule of the Southwark News. He's going to tell us about what went wrong at Port Vale. Another defeat, of course, it doesn't look good, let's face it. We're still out of the relegation zone, thankfully. Cheltenham are two points behind us now, though, because they beat Bournemouth, also down in the relegation zone. They're six points behind us. Port Vale are on the same points total as Bournemouth now, and Luton, with that ten-point deduction, are now only three points behind us. We have to thank Swansea for making sure that they didn't go uh, level with us on points, and uh, then they would go above us on goal difference, because their goal difference is far superior to ours. But it's not all doom and gloom, because we've also got Barry Rowan. He's first up. He played for us between 1964 and 1967, playing 85 times, scoring 19 goals. That's a pretty good goal total for a winger. And we've got Barry Rowan's memories of the FA Cup. That's coming up. The only place for Millwall fans. Footballfancast.com. Real fans, real opinions. Okay, I'm with Lions legend, Barry Rowan. You like being called a legend, don't you, Barry? All the time, <laughs> So um, I wanted to ask you about the FA Cup. I've got your record here. It looks really good. Well, over just a couple of seasons. Um, this game against Kettering, you scored two against them. But, I mean, this was a serious cup run for Millwall in 64-65. It was Port Vale in the next round. Beat them 4-0. You played in that as well. But the Fulham game, see, we needed you in the team because we let in three goals on that occasion. When the replay, you scored um, the... Probably the decisive goal, right? Because did you get the second goal in that game? I got the crap. second goal, yeah. yeah. Davy Harper, I crossed with Davy Harper, who was injured up front. Yeah, he couldn't run, couldn't walk, and he poked it in, and uh, I managed to smack the second one in, which uh, sealed the game for us. Unfortunately, first game I had a bit of a niggle, and Billy left me out. But she's at home now, so it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously, um, it was a great run. We had a good time. And what about Shrewsbury? <laughs> That's when it all started going wrong. Can't remember. Yeah, or I don't want to. Yeah, <laughs> we, um, we outplayed them. And we did everything but score, and they nicked it. So it was a very disappointing end, considering. Yeah. And, f- and the next season, it didn't go so well in the Cup. But you've got a lot of goals up to then. That one season, three goals in the Cup. And you scored in, uh, against Weldston in the first, first round the following season. What's that? 65-66. And then, um, then an exit at Hereford, <laughs> which weren't too hot. Not really. No, it was a funny old ground down there. Yeah. Um, slope, muddy, windy. Typical Cup upset. They've yeah. done it a few times, not only to us. Yeah. So that was a disappointing end as well for that season. But did you especially like playing in the cup or something? Because when you count all them games you played and how many goals you scored, it's quite a lot. I know, if we played cup games every week, I could play for England, couldn't yeah. I? Yeah. <laughs> it <laughs> looks uh, like that in the stats. Yeah. No, the, the cup runs were quite good, especially the Fulham game. That lives in the memory forever. Yeah. They had Johnny Haynes and all the big boys playing. Yeah. That was a great time. Are there any cup games that I missed out? Because uh, I only looked through a couple of seasons worth. Not really, yeah, they're a bit nondescript. Um, the Fulham game was the main one, and of course the Tottenham game the year after. Yeah. We, uh, we drew at home 0-0. Um, we went over there, and there were 68,000 in the ground. They delayed the kick-off for half hour, we lost 1-0. Tommy yeah. Wilson back fast to Alan Gilzean, which you don't do yeah. if you want to win. And uh, That was disappointing, although we equipped ourselves quite well. So would you say Millwall's a cup team, or um, not particularly? Well, the performances during the league, yeah, I think we probably are now, yeah. <laughs> we'll have to be this season. Yeah. All right, thanks, Barry. My pleasure. For the latest opinions and news, check out the Football Fancast forum and blogs. Read what your fellow fans have to say and join in the banter yourself. I'm joined by David Yule from the Southwark News, who's just got back from Port Vale. It's not been um, a good result. What was the performance like? Um, yeah, it was... Uh 
you know, a hash together team again. Kenny Jackett sort of made the excuses before the game even started, um, you know, having so many players out and then a few coming back in. The likes of Bremer returning from suspension. Um, Laird and he's sort of made his debut at his old club uh, without the skipper Robinson suspending and stuff. But um, first half, you know, there was, there was patches of good play uh, on what was quite a boggy pitch. But, um, you know, we, we were dominated in p- patches of the game. You just shouldn't be dominated by by anybody, really, uh, let alone a team that's bottom of the league. And, you know, they're about as low as a snake's belly at the moment in terms of morale and points and, you know, places, to be honest. And, that's uh, Paul Val, yeah. That's really, Paul Val. Yeah. They, should, should, they, should, they, they, they came into the game not expecting to get anything out of it. The, the manager's notes, the captain's notes in the programme before were really sort of, you know, it'd be great result to get a point out of this and Mill were on the up. Um, and it, it was true, you know, coming in after the Christmas period, you know, Mill were on a, on a bounce, Jackets brought in a couple of new faces, made some, some permanent deals out of the loan guys. And, uh, you know, the, the 256 Millwall fans that travelled would have would have expected three points. And to come away with anything less was, was just not satisfactory, to be honest. So Mark Laird, where was he deployed? Was he uh, played in midfield? Well, he, he came in and, uh, yeah, rearranged the midfield again. Paul Ali Fusini uh, was, was shunted out to the left. And, I mean, we talk about squares and, you know, square pegs in circle holes. Um, but, I mean, Ali Fusini is as much a left midfielder as, as Neil Harris is. I mean, it's not where he's best deployed. Um, Ross Gaynor, you know, started the away game at Walsall, and I thought he did really well. Uh, he's a left midfielder. He'll, he'll get the ball down. He'll go right. He'll go down the wing, and he'll put crosses in. There's no uncertain terms that Jacket could have even asked Adi Cusini to do that today, just because he's just not able to. He's there to be in the mix and in the, in, you know, mixing it up, winning tackles and, and using his energy in the middle, um, and sort of, you know. He was shunted out onto the left and, and didn't really get a chance to, to do anything. The ball sort of was going in and around him, and he uh, he was chasing shadows for much of it. Uh, Mark Laird himself, I mean, he, you know, up against the club that he was on loan to, um, he, he had a lot of energy, and he, you know, he was big in a couple of tackles, um, but he was just a couple of uh, couple of yards off the pace a number of occasions um, where he's just not had time to settle in with his with his new teammates. I mean, to be honest, Dave Brown had an absolute stormer of a game. Um, and, you know, that's, that's coming straight from me, who sort of, I have my doubts about Bramah, but he had a storm of a game. I think nine-tenths nine of it was due to the fact he's playing against, you know, an old club and the fan, the home fans got right on his back from day one, the Port Vale fans. Um, and he seemed to love it, you know. He, he was putting in tackles. He was really energetic, full of energy, like he had a real point to prove. And, um, I mean, that's it was funny, a great cross. That's funny because, yeah, you know, the, the crew, the, when he played against crew, I, I pointed out, I didn't think he always played well against his old teams, but... I don't remember him playing against Port Vale for Millwall anyway. So yeah, and he, he really, uh, that was it. And he just, you know, got a bit between his teeth and he, he looked like he was he was driving the team on. And as I say, the first 20 minutes seemed to be working. Laird was, was trying to find his feet and a couple of his passes went astray to start with, but he looked like he was getting there. And, um, yeah, it was a great brown across that, that, that led to the goal. Um, but, you know, the midfield just sort of got, got redeployed with the... the, the, the Jacket's insistence and uh, starting Laird, who who looked, to be honest, like he needed a bit more time to adjust to the uh, the Mills setup. I thought he weren't going to play Laird because um, didn't he have an injury as well? Apparently he was carrying an ankle knock um, that he got on Boxing Day playing for Port Vale. Um, so yeah, we was quite surprised to see him in there. Uh, so too was Danny Sender. I spoke to him on Tuesday, and he gave me, you know, a, you know, I gave him a thumbs up and sort of, you know, with a question mark, and he. Uh, he sort of shook his head and shouted out, maybe maybe for Tranmere. 
Um, so I don't think he was expecting to play. Um, so perhaps it's a, it's a matter of sort of rushing players back to to fill the positions. I suppose with Big Nut not not getting Bill tied up, he he wasn't available. Um, you know that, that Jacket needed a, a fullback. So there's still hope we could get Big Knot on a permanent basis. There's still there's still hope. Um, I spoke to both Andy Ambler and Kenny Jacket today, and they both had sort of slightly, you know, slightly positive-looking faces, saying, you know, we're still hoping to get back to work on it on Monday morning. Um, but there's there's no means that it's, it's a done deal. Uh, they're still in talks with, with QPR, is what we're, we're led to believe. Um, then it certainly won't be done by in time for sort of registration for Tuesday's game. Is passed. I mean, even if we signed someone today, they'd be, you know, they wouldn't be able, they wouldn't be eligible for the FA Cup. And Gary Bowes, who made his debut finally after being put on the bench for a game before, I think it was Walsall away. Was he went up for the trip and then uh, didn't play, and then the next Walsall away game in the cup, he uh, he was actually on the bench when he. he yeah, that was it. In the, the, in the game anyway. In the first league game, he was uh, he was in the squad in the seventeen man squad, but he didn't make the subs bench. Um, but then in the cup game, he. Uh, he, he sat on the bench, and you know, even in that game, we a couple of us were, you know, were saying, look, if this game could could get a goal from anywhere, it's it's pace, and you know, Simpson was missing because of his suspension, and we was calling for for Bose to sort of come off the bench and you know at least add some energy, um, and that's what he did today. He, he perhaps was misguided energy at times. Perhaps he was chasing balls that he, he, he it, was, it was not necessary to change his chase, and perhaps he was not chasing the right ones at times. Gary Alexander and, and Dave Bram are both had a scream up at him during the 15 minutes that he was on. Um, but he did look lively when he came on. Um, he is a threat in the same in the same ilk of Jay Simpson in sort of his rapid pace and his, his great footwork. Um, as I say, yeah, he's made his... He is, he's very, very quick. Um, Quicker Simpson or... I'd say on a par with Simpson. Um, without the ball, I would say he's faster. Um, I watched him track back today, having lost the ball, and um, he really galloped. He, he looked like he was faster than Simpson, but... Simpson's got this knack of sort of being able to run the ball at almost the same pace as he can without it, which is a great skill, something that um, perhaps he's mastered watching Thierry Henry, because I think Henry is one of the best in the world at sort of maintaining pace while running with a ball, if you know what I mean. Um, but he, he's still got time to learn. He's still a very young guy. I watched him score. I think it may have been his first goal at the Den for the reserves on Tuesday, um, and he was the biggest threat in that game. And He looked like he could come on and cause problems, which is is what the idea was today. I think the, the, the subs perhaps could have been used a little bit earlier. Um, we we lost Richard Shaw, which you know I'm sure will be a lot of the talking points will be about. Um, so that's know, why through, Simpson was sacrificed, was it? For well, that's exactly it. Simpson was well. They they fought about it for three or four minutes. The the, the, the boys really reshuffled really with Barron going to centre back for a couple of minutes. Ali Suzini playing left back for about five minutes before they uh, eventually made the sub, and it was Simpson who trudged off with his head in his hands sort of as the sacrifice. But, um, yeah, then they, they, then they made that change sort of after, I think it was about an hour, around the hour mark, 50, 55 minutes, something like that. And um, the, the game was like a stalemate, you know. Paul Val was, was switching the play really well, trying to probe at the holes, trying to find a gap. And, um, you know, they couldn't quite, couldn't quite find one. So um, I think maybe a change just then, maybe... Falls was tiring a little bit, where he was chasing shadows, trying to trying to chase the ball down. I thought he did really well in terms of his, his running, his, his work rate, but on the ball he was, it was a little bit more to be desired. Um, and you just feel like sort of maybe an aerial presence of Ben May to have released uh, Gary Alexander so that he would have been able to have done more of the running and less of the sort of you know front man stuff. 
Um, and certainly Gary Bowes could have done with maybe 20 minutes, 25 minutes rather than the 10 that he got. Um, maybe just to have nicked one for the Lions rather than sort of chasing shadows and trying to keep the ball. So you mentioned Ben May. It looks like he might stay at the club because he turned down a move, didn't he, to Shrewsbury, I believe. He turned down a move, he turned down a move to Shrewsbury. Um, I'm due to speak to him um, before the um, cup game. Uh, to sort of talk to him and see, see how he feels about his future, what what Kenny Jackett said to him, whether whether he is in the plans. Um, it, it doesn't seem to be much of a secret um, that the club are looking for a, a centre-forward, um, certainly of a different ilk of, of Ben May. They're not looking for a, sort of a replacement for that sort of figure. Um, they're looking for someone with pace who can, can score goals, which Ben May sort of, at the moment doesn't seem to be either of those. But he does seem to be working quite hard on the training ground he does seem to be working hard when he comes on in matches, and um, he, he seems to be sort of one of the lads again. You know, he's, he's getting in and amongst the, the boys, and he's he's getting into the team spirit. Um, we sat down and watched the draw at the training ground last week when when uh, the FA Cup draw was made, and it was, there was a little bit of buoyancy about him. So um, I'd like to think that he's sort of happy at the club again, and um, he's determined to, to win the fans back. Um, Did the fans um, appreciate his efforts today? Well, you couldn't hear them, to be honest. Because there's so few. The 200, 200 fans that there were were sort of outsung throughout by by a sort of small number Port Vale crowd. I think it was 3,500 was the total. Um, I think in, in patches, when, when Mill took the lead, I mean, it was very vocal. And um, they did their best for the first half. But it's so easy to be dejected, you know, having seen sort of the, the second half performance of Mill that I mean, I don't think I'd have been singing too loudly if I'd have been sitting with them. So by that time that Ben may come on with about 12 minutes left, I don't think there was much energy left in the uh, in the away support to boo him or cheer him. But um, at least I'm talking about. I mean, <laughs> Gary Alexander, the goal machine. He gets another the one. The goal, the goal machine. Alexander strikes again, and you'll hear it from from Kenny Jackett's own mouth. It's all to do with distribution with Gary Alexander. He's he said it today, and I've you know will be quoted him. In, in the match report is that Gary Alexander isn't going to get the ball on the halfway line and, and score a goal. He's not going to beat somebody. He's not going to beat four men. Um, obviously, we'd all love it if he did. He's a, he's a goal scorer in terms of being in and around the box. And to get the ball and to score goals, you need good distribution. And, you know, Mill's distribution is just far too lack at the moment. We do it in patches, mostly in sort of home games. Um, and you know Gary's proved that if if he does get the chances he will he will score and it was a it was a beautiful ball by Bremer uh, wide on the right today that just put the ball right into the area and uh, you know Gary got his nut on it and in off the post it went which is sort of all you can ask from him but um, he, he's, Kenny Jackett is exactly right he won't score goals unless the ball's given to him in the right areas and he can work hard as he may on the halfway line to get the ball down bring it down you know get the midfield involved but he, he's not going to get a ball like Jay Simpson does. And run at players and, and be a threat in that in that instance. He he needs to get good balls in, and I must say, Danny Sender didn't provide me today. Um, he looked at a, you know a, a pace short of of match fitness in terms of going forward. Defensively, he was fine. You know, he was sound going backwards, um, but just sort of there, there wasn't that sort of distribution, those crosses that perhaps we've seen from from the lonely Marcus Bignett that you know the experienced heads brought. In saying that, though, Danny Sender. <laughs> I did say he did well defensively. He sort of gave away the first goal in a very, very short pass back back to Pidgeley, which led to the the the, uh, the equaliser. Um, so that was a, a sender mistake, rounded. or was it a Pidgeley mistake for not coming out? It was a combination of the two, to be honest. I mean, the ball was played back, and it looked like it should have been just a comfortable header straight back to Pidgeley. Um, but he underhit it with his header, 
um, and sort of cause Pidgey a problem. But you at least thought he'd, you know, be able to scramble out and claim it or perhaps clear it into the fans. But I think Pidgey perhaps didn't read it himself, um, so I think it was fifty-fifty. Um, and what about the other the other goals that were conceded? Um, was there the other any two goals were very scrappy. I mean, it, it, it's tough to put it all on Pidgey, but I mean, a lot of the people were were talking about it. He just hasn't got the confidence that he he needs, you know. The the, the second goal, um, you know, was a deep looping cross that was up in the air for about four minutes, I think. And um, you know, the, the the guy got his head on it from from just on the six yard line, and you just have to wonder. I mean, how how close to the goal does it have to be before, you know, your number one goalkeeper can come out and claim it easily? Um, and yeah, that was literally I think that was second and third goal with those similar instances where balls have gone up into the air. And uh, you know, particularly failed to, to come and claim, or you know, just to be a presence. Um, I mean, one instance where he just really shoots himself in the foot, and I thought he was having a good game up until about the hour mark. Um, it, they, they'd broken through from a, a counter attack, and um, it was one on one with their, their centre forward, who you know, for all for all the world, looked like he was going to score. It was a great save by Pidgey with his feet, but it went straight up into the air. You know, and he had time to get up. And he, all he had to do was literally jump and catch it, you know, you know, standard routine stuff. And he went to punch it from inside about five yards from his goal, completely missed the ball. The ball bounced, and the striker had another go at goal. And it was only lucky that Danny Sender was there to clear it away and sort of make up for his early error. But he just sort of thought, Piddly, he's done well, he's made a great save. Just catch it, do the, do the bread and butter. And, you know, he just really, you know, made a hash of it, and it sort of put the crowd against him once again, you know, having had what looked like mostly a good game. It seems such a shame, bearing in mind he's, he's kept a couple of clean sheets lately and he started seeming as if he was getting his confidence back and we know he's a good shot stopper on his day. I just wonder how many more chances he's going to get, though, if he if he's letting in three against Port Vale. It obviously doesn't look good on paper. So, well, as uh, I say, I mean, I don't think, he's, I don't think the, uh, the defence was solid by any means so um, been big they, as, they, as they had been. Um, well, sorry to break in there. Big... I mean, sorry to break in now. I mean, because I've only got about two minutes left on this uh, this machine. Um, any other sort of transfer movements going on in terms of players coming in in uh, to Millwall? Not, not as we know. We're, they're apparently working on on some bits and pieces. But if I'm being honest, I don't think there's a striker out there that's ready to move on in the January January transfer window to Millwall um, of the right price range. Um, I, I have. Uh, a presumption that, 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 that the striker that we're looking for will be a sort of summer move, if that makes sense. Someone that we're going to earmark now, put a bid on the table, make it a range, and it'll, it'll, he'll be coming in in um, the summer. There's still three or four names being linked to that, but I don't think it's going to be done. done Adam Proudlock being one summer. of them. What about Adam Proudlock? I'd, I'd, I'd like to think so. I think there's, 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 a, there's a few of them. Uh, Jason Punchin being another one from Barnet. Um, Fleetwood, of course, is being linked with sort of every league club at the moment. Um, but as I say, I'm not 100% sure how quickly we can get these sort of things tied up with the, the seller club wanting to keep hold of their players. Thanks for staying with us right to the end on this Millwall Football Fancast. We'll be back with you, of course, next week. And if you want your comments to be featured on the next podcast, just go to the banter section on www.footballfancast.com. See you next time. You've been listening to the Millwall Football Fancast. Log on at footballfancast.com and get involved.